0: You meet us right where we are, Lord. You meet us in our discouragement. You meet us in our failures. You meet us in our fears and our, our brokenness, Lord. You meet us in every part of our lives, God. And we are so grateful that that's the kind of God you are. You are a God of life, so we welcome you here, God, in this place as we celebrate you, as we worship you. God, we welcome you into this place because we love you. We ask you to speak to our hearts from your word and then set us free to respond to all that you are, to respond to you and be transformed by you, God so we love you we love you lord we welcome you here in jesus name we pray amen amen go ahead and take a seat if you are here if you're watching online awesome so glad you are joining us as well i got to get some a drink there okay we're good now so a few weeks ago i was watching this youtube um video trying to watch some video and there was this uh, Advertisement um, for it popped up this thing called LifeVac, and and I had no I had no interest in it. But you know you got to wait five seconds right Uh, for the ad to get over, and so so I'm ready. Watch you know just kind of watching this five seconds. By the time the five seconds was up, I was totally. Not hooked, but I was intrigued, okay? Because they showed this video, this footage, from a security camera in the corner of a restaurant. And the footage was of a family eating dinner, and and a very young child began choking on a piece of food that was lodged in this little boy's throat. And so this mom and dad are panicking, and and they're screaming for help. And out of the corner of the camera, you see this guy jump up on a totally different table, jumps up out of his chair, he runs to his car, and then he comes back with this plastic device, he, he puts it over the face of this choking child, and he does this, and the food pops out, right? And the parents are crying, and I'm crying, you know, uh, I mean, and I realized that the, the whole scene was probably staged, but it didn't look like it, okay? It was just, it was so moving, and it made me want to order one of these things. I don't even have kids that age anymore, right? But I was going to order one of these things. I mean, the reality was, I got swept up into that story, in a way that it impacted my life. I mean, this is what we love about stories, right? We all love stories. This is what we love about stories. We love to get swept up in a story and to let it impact us and inspire us. Now, here's what's fascinating. I didn't realize this um, until recently, but uh, fascinating that in the Greco-Roman world in which Jesus lived, there really were only two basic kinds of stories. There were only two basic kinds or forms of literature, and they represented two very different philosophical approaches to life. So one form of story was known as the tragedy. Tragedy, a very realistic and sad portrayal of life. And this kind of story was rooted in a philosophy, a life philosophy, known as Stoicism. Stoicism, life is sad, you know, you just kind of got to try to find your own meaning and kind of tough it out. Okay, that's the tragedy. The other form of story was known as the comedy. And the comedy was rooted in a philosophical life perspective known as Epicureanism. And the basic idea of Epicureanism was just to have fun, right? Have fun. I mean, this approach to life was encapsulated by that well-known phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we... Die, yes, you know that, all right? Those, those were the only two options for stories that were told. Tragedy, life is sad, so hunker down and just kind of get through it. Or comedy, life is sad, so live it up. Pursue pleasure and laughter however you can find it. Now here is what is so fascinating. Many historians acknowledge that there was one particular event in history that created a completely new and different storyline. It's it's, it's a storyline that that has become the basis for modern day novels and, and movies and the stories that we love, right, and resonate with us today. What was that event? The resurrection of Jesus. It was the resurrection of Jesus that introduced humanity to a completely different storyline, a storyline of hope. And in this new kind of story, there was conflict and struggle, often between good and evil. And then when all hope seemed to be lost, A savior, a rescuer, a Gandalf, a Luke Skywalker, an Iron Man, a Thor, a Spider-Man comes on the scene and brings life out of death. They bring hope out of despair. We love stories like that don't we? We love stories like that. We pay good money to see stories like that. We are deeply inspired and moved by stories like that. Why? It's because these redemptive, rescue, resurrection stories point to a longing in our hearts for that to be our story. For that to be our story. We are instinctively looking for a storyline to place our lives into. And so the question I want us to think about here today is this. In what story are you and I living? Through what lens are you and I looking at our lives? We really only have three options. One is to place ourselves in the storyline of tragedy the philosophy of Stoicism, where there is, there is no purpose, there is no meaning, and so get, just, just be tough, come on, get through it, and, and eventually we get old, and, and then we die. I recently read a portion of an interview uh, with Jack Higgins, who's a very well-known author, told, sold millions of books, right, well-known author. The interviewer, at one point in this interview, the interviewer said to him, look, you're, you're very successful, Mr. Higgins, you're very successful, what, what do you wish someone would have told you when you were 18 years old. He was quiet for a while, and then he said, I wish someone would have told me that when you get to the top, it's empty. There's nothing there. And the interviewer was a little shocked and said, really? And he said, yeah, there's nothing there. A few years ago, well-known atheist Richard Dawkins uh, did a Netflix series entitled The Meaning of Life. Interesting, right? And and so in the final episode, he acknowledges that when people first become atheists, they often go through a time of great despair, even suicidal despair. If there is nothing beyond what we can see and touch in this world and if death is the end of us, then, then really what is the point of it all? So he talks about how atheists often just experience, when they become atheists, they experience this depression, many of them, because of that. So according to Dawkins, the journey for the atheists is to try to find their own meaning. And I guess that's what this Netflix series is about, right? So then he, he shares two stories of literary geniuses, Leo Tolstoy and Graham, um, Graham Greene, who wrestled with profound depression as a result of their atheism. And interestingly, um, Dawkins acknowledges that both of them came out of that depression and found meaning in life by returning to belief in God. Um, now, near the end of this documentary, Dawkins personally turns to someone in his own life who had found meaning apart from God, and it happened to be a British comedian who makes a living by laughing at the world and those in it. See, this is the opposite approach to life. This is the other story that we can choose to find ourselves in, the comedy. Let's just have as much fun as we can in this life until it runs out. And this is how many people try to find meaning in life, go after as many dopamine hits as we can, right? Sexual pleasure, adventure, you know, getting rich and buying, really like to buy lots of things or more likes on social media or whatever. But, but as Jack Higgins acknowledged, this storyline, this storyline at its best still leaves us empty. It doesn't address the longing in our hearts for meaning and, and for purpose. We are left having to find meaning and purpose on our own. Now, those are certainly two options for the story that we can sort of choose to find ourselves in. But if we're honest, our hearts, if we're honest, look, our hearts long for a different story. A story that doesn't end in despair and death, a a story that results in life real life. This is why we love movies like Star Wars and Avengers and Lord of the Rings. I mean, their point really is not to make us sad, obviously, nor is it to encourage us to laugh as an escape from life. No, they actually stir in us. That's why we love them so much, these movies. They stir in us a longing for hope. We desperately want that story to be true in our own lives. We want love to triumph. We want good to vanquish evil. We want to be inspired that things can actually be better, that the future is brighter than the past. That's what we long for, right? That's what we long for. We long for that story to be real in our own lives. And the amazing news of Easter is that it can be. It can be that story can be the story in which you find yourself. Very soon after the resurrection of Jesus, one of his followers, a guy named Peter, stood up in front of a crowd and he he told them this very story. Check this out. He said, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. See, notice he is asserting that this whole Jesus thing is not a fictional story. It is not a fantasy, it is not some Marvel creation. Jesus really lived, he came from Nazareth. He spent three years doing miracles and teaching in that area. So all the people gathered there, they, they knew about Jesus. Right? He had, th- 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 what he's saying here, they, they knew about him. They'd either seen his miracles or they'd at least, at least heard about him. So he's a real person. Jesus, uh, excuse me, Peter continues, this man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. See, even though Jesus was completely innocent, <clears throat> the religious leaders as well as the Roman authorities, had him nailed to a cross, and he died there. He took his last breath, and then his dead body was placed in a tomb and sealed with a stone. But that's not the end of the story. Peter then says, verse 24, But God raised him from the dead, Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I love that. When all hope was lost, when it seemed that our ultimate enemy, death, had won the victory, God raised Jesus from the agony, the hopelessness of death. And in doing so, God revealed to us a crucial aspect of his character. I love how Peter says this. Look again at verse 24 it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. Why? Because our God is a God of life. That's the story he's writing. That's what he is about. It starts the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, first chapter of the Bible. What is God doing in the first chapter of the Bible? He is bringing order out of chaos and darkness, and then he is creating life. This is who he is. This is what he does. Jesus, God's son, entered into our hopelessness in human form, and he experienced the full consequence and trajectory of our sinful lives by dying on a cross, On Sunday morning, his followers discovered that the stone had been rolled away and the tomb was empty. He had risen from the dead. It was impossible. (laughs) It was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. Death was swallowed up by life. Okay, now here is what is so important to realize. that This is not just the story of Jesus. Now, this is not just the story of Jesus. This is the storyline that we are invited into, a storyline in which darkness is defeated and death is destroyed and wrongs are made right and relationships are restored and good triumphs over evil and despair is transformed into hope. In other words, in this storyline, we experience life. We experience life. We are invited to enter into this resurrection story, (laughs) right? We're invited to actually enter into it, not simply as as spectators in a movie theater. No, we're we're we we are invited to be inspired participants whose hearts are being transformed. So, what exactly does it look like to enter into this resurrection narrative? Rather than the narrative of tragedy or comedy. Well, Peter tells us after explaining the resurrection happened, he then describes three specific ways this can impact each of our lives. Checks this out. So first of all, when we allow ourselves to be swept, to be caught up in the resurrection story, we live confidently we live confidently. Peter quotes Psalm 16. Check this out. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. See, this idea of someone being at our at right hand was a metaphorical reference to what happened in that day when a soldier would be standing by the person they're guarding. <clears throat> someone at their right hand, that person is standing beside you, a soldier standing beside you and guarding you. Because Jesus is alive, we can know that he is with us. He is guarding us. He is protecting us, which means we can live with a quiet confidence. No matter what is happening in the world around us or in our own lives, we will not be shaken because Jesus is alive. So I just want to ask, are you living in the reality Of that story, the resurrection story. Honestly, we we can easily find ourselves, and me as well, we can easily find ourselves just becoming fearful and anxious about all that is happening in our world and in our society today. And in in doing so, I know I, I can get caught up in that as well, but when we when we allow ourselves to get just all fearful and anxious about that, we're not we're not fully living in the story of the resurrection. Jesus is alive and he is with us. Of whom shall we be afraid? No one because he's alive so living in the story of the resurrection enables us to be calm in The midst of chaos it enables our fears to be replaced by an unshakable confidence Okay, secondly when we allow ourselves to be caught up in the resurrection story we live joyfully We live joyfully. Look at what Peter says next regarding the impact of this resurrection. This is what he's saying to these people. This is what he quotes. Verse 26, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Okay, because Jesus is alive and is with us, we can experience joy. Our hearts can experience gladness. We can choose to rejoice. And notice what? Where this joy is found. Not in our circumstances. No, verse 28 says, You will fill me with joy in your presence. It is in the presence of the Lord that we find joy. The cross and the resurrection were God's fullest expression of his love for us. So when we place our trust in Jesus, the very spirit of God, the very spirit of Jesus comes to live in us. And and, and one of the job descriptions of the Holy Spirit living within us is to help us, Paul talks about this in the book of Romans, to help us experience God's love being poured out in our hearts meaning in our experience see when we know in our hearts this experiential love of god it changes our whole attitude toward ourselves toward our failures toward our circumstances in god's presence There is fullness, there is abundance of joy, an unending and eternal love for us being poured out, and nothing can take that away from us. Nothing can take that joy away. Third, when we allow ourselves to be caught up in the resurrection story, look at this, we are filled With hope. This is what Peter says. Next verse, verse 26 My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. Jesus was not abandoned to the grave. God raised him up from the dead so that we too can have that same hope. So death is not the ending for us. We don't live in a tragedy story where death is the end. We live in a victory story, right? We don't live in a tragedy story. We live in a victory story where when it looked like all hope was lost and the enemy was gonna win, Jesus triumphed over the grave and our ultimate enemy, death itself, was defeated, which means that we can live in a very real hope no matter what is happening to us in this life. In fact, I love how the psalmist says this. He he says, my body will rest In hope. This word rest in, that phrase rest in literally means to set up camp. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, hope is where we get to camp out. Hope is where we get to camp out. No matter what is happening in our world, no matter what is happening in our physical body, no matter what is happening in our lives, our circumstances, we can live in a certain hope that death itself will not have the final word. It will not. It will not. Death does not have a hold on us because Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our Deliverer, has conquered the grave. See, this is the story that Jesus invites you and me to live in and to embrace. It is not a tragedy, nor is it an invitation to, you know, the emptiness of just trying to get all the pleasure you can out of this life. No, it is a story in which you and I are invited to live in confidence, in joy, in hope, because Jesus is risen. Now, here's the, here's the deal. You know, we all know how this works. You know how after an amazing movie, you're in the theater, and, you know, your, seat, your feet are up and all comfy, and you watch The Avengers or whatever, and you watch this amazing movie, and your just heart is soaring because the good guys win and all that, right? Triumphing over evil. It just, your heart is just so inspired and all that. And then what happens? <clears throat> the credits start to roll, and you're brought back to Reality. I mean, that story was awesome, but it's not real. It's not your story. But the story of Jesus triumphing over evil and inviting us to live in a new way filled with joy and and hope and confidence, that story is real. And that story can be your story and my story. (laughs) That can be our story. Amen. All right, let's pray. Let's pray together. <clears throat> so I want to encourage you right now just to quiet quiet your hearts. Just take a deep breath. Maybe it's been a chaotic day and this is the first moment you've just kind of had to, uh, just to breathe. <laughs> I want to encourage you to think about this question. All of us who are watching, those of you who are here, just think about this question. What story are you living in? What story are you living in? Is it a story without real purpose and meaning? You're just trying to kind of get through life? Is it a story of the pursuit of dopamine hits as a way to not think about the emptiness of life? Well, Jesus invites you into his resurrection story, a story of hope and joy and confidence, a story of purpose and meaning. The way into this story, it's not by working hard, trying to be a good person. No, no, no. The way into this story is by placing our trust, our faith in him. And here's the deal. Listen, when when we do that, The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes to live in us, filling us with his life and his presence. So if that's the story you want to be invited in or you want to be a part of and be in that story, and you're not sure you are, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus in this way, I want to lead you in a prayer right now where you can enter into that story. Right now, you can enter into that story. So just pray with me in the silence of your heart. Just pray along with me. So here we go. Jesus, I want your resurrection story to be my story. I believe you died on the cross for my sin and he rose from the dead to give me life. And so I place my trust in you. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and come live in me through the presence of your spirit. Change me from the inside out <laughs> through the power of your love so God I want to pray for anyone who prayed that prayer I pray you would help them grow in this amazing relationship in this new story <laughs> this resurrection story that is real it's not a movie this is real for the rest of us maybe we already have G- we know we have Jesus living inside of us. We prayed to receive him years ago or whatever. I'm just. Let me just ask you here as we're, our hearts are quiet here. What would it look like for us to let our hearts be reminded afresh today of the story that Jesus is writing and that you are a part of? So where where in your life do you need a fresh infusion of his confidence knowing that he is with you? You will not be shaken because he is at your right hand guarding and protecting. Or where in your life do you need just a fresh infusion of joy knowing that God delights in you? He delights in you. He loves you. Or where do you need a fresh infusion of hope that he defeated death, he defeated death for you? And you can set up camp in his hope no matter what is going on. So Jesus, we ask you to enter into these places in our lives where we need, we need joy, we need confidence, we need hope. Enter into these places through the presence of your spirit and bring life because that's what you do. (laughs) That is what you do. That's the kind of God you are. So we praise you, we open our hearts afresh to you. Even now in these moments, we get to celebrate, we get to sing, we get to worship you, Lord. So whether we're standing or sitting or kneeling, set us free, God, set us free to worship you with all of our being because you are worthy of that. So we ask you to pour out your joy, pour out your confidence, pour out your hope in our hearts as we love on you and praise you. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are God of life. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord.